So today we continue in our series on the book of Mark, and we are going to be in Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 41, and we're going to be looking at two different things. One, Mark's little parables, and then also the narrative about Jesus calming the wind and the waves, or Jesus calming the sea. So it's kind of a, a mishmash of things going on a little bit today, but I think that will be okay. But let me read the text now, Mark 4, 21 through 41. So, so let us hear now God's word to us today. Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is, is as if a man should scatter seeds on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day. The seeds sprout and grow. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts the sickle to the harvest because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the, the smallest of all the seeds of the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and it becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out its branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade with many such parables. He spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He didn't speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was, was filling with water. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. There was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, I just want to thank You for Your word this day. And I would pray that you would bless us with it as we enter into it now, that your spirit would press it deeply into our hearts and minds and lives. And Lord, now I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, Lord, would be acceptable and would be pleasing in your sight. For indeed, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
Well, at this point in the, the book of Mark, Jesus is still in Capernaum, and he is withdrawn from the crowds. We saw that last week. He was preaching from the boat there on the shore in Capernaum, and then he withdrew from the crowds with his inner circle, his disciples and others who were close to him. So he's withdrawn from the crowds. He's given them further insight into his own identity and into the character and nature of the kingdom of God. And now he follows up by giving them more teaching in parables. Um, some people call these Mark's little parables just because they're very short. There's just a number of them, very short, kind of stacked right there together. Um, so we're going to take a look at those. I guess probably you could say any one of these could be a sermon unto itself, but we're going to just sort of, sort of look at all of them today. Um, and the first is the, the parable of the lamp, and it's in verse 21 through 23. It says, there's a lamp to be put under a basket or a bed and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to, to come to light. So Jesus here, he's talking about a hidden light that is then going to be made manifest. It's going to be seen by all. Um, but as we've talked about, what has been hidden in the book of Mark so far? Jesus' identity has been hidden so far, right? That's the secret that's the secret, and he won't even let the, the demons know this. He won't even let them share the secret. But it's also the secret that he is, he is progressively revealing to his disciples and Jesus' identity. It will eventually be put on a stand for all the world to see. Now, now that stand, as we know, it's a cross. It's not what we would expect it to be, but he is displayed for all the world to see. For a time, it was hidden. Right? His identity as the king who came for the redemption of the world it was, it was a hidden identity. But it will be revealed in the future. And just like a lamp on a stand, it will be a light to the world. Mark continues in verse 24 and 25. Jesus said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It's what we call the parable of the measures. It always seems so uncharitable to me, this, this parable, right? The, the haves continue to have, and they get even more. The have-nots, they have what they, anything they have gets taken away. It seems very, very uncharitable. And that's not generally how we like to think about Jesus being, but, but I think this is what he's saying, that those who receive Jesus and who receive his word and his truth as a gift, well, to, to those who pursue him for themselves, right? Or, or for himself, rather, they will receive. They will receive not only more insight, but ultimately they will receive Jesus himself. Amen? The crowds, meanwhile... The scribes, the religious officials, those who were only interested in the show, or those who were seeking to undermine Jesus and, and His ministry, they, they will not receive more. But they're going to get less and less of Jesus. Next is the, the little parable about the scattering of seeds. You thought we had covered seeds last week, but 
More. More with seeds. Right? Verses 26 to 29. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seeds on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day, and the seeds sprout and grow. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, and then the ear, and then the, the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So this parable is about God's providence. And it's about the nature and character of God's kingdom. God's kingdom grows His way as He wills in His time. Right? He is the King. He will decide when and how it will grow. There's nothing we can do of ourselves to make it grow, to make any of this happen, right? But Jesus, it's His kingdom. It's His power. It's His authority. He is the one who grows it, not anyone else. And when, when He is ready, He will put the blade to the harvest. That brings us to this little parable. Maybe you've heard it before of the mustard seed, right? Parable of the mustard seed. Pastors love to try to get everything they can out of, out of this parable of the mustard seed. Verse 30 and 31, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all of the seeds of the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all of the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. So what does Jesus say about the parable of the mustard seed? Well, I think what he's saying is that his kingdom may seem small and insignificant at first, right? Perhaps it might even seem buried. But you know what? Seeds that get buried, they don't stay buried, right? They don't stay buried. Rather, they, they germinate and they grow and they lead to new life. And, and so Jesus himself is like this little seed. He's buried. He's seemingly insignificant. The son of a carpenter from a backwoods town in a backwater region of the greatest empire the world had ever known. But that very seed, that very seed didn't stay buried. Instead, it's going to burst forth into life, and in so doing, it'll give life to everyone and everything around it. And in that, I think we see the nature of Jesus' um, upside-down kingdom, right? It starts small. It looks insignificant. But it's not going to grow in the way that anybody expects it to, right? But when the time is right, the lamp will go on the stand and the whole world will know. And then Mark kind of sums up this section um, in the next two verses with many such parables. He spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He didn't speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. And that concludes these little parables, these little reminders of, 
of how Jesus would have taught his disciples and, the, and, and, and how Jesus continued to fill in the disciples on the depth and the meaning of these parables and thus on the depth and meaning of his identity and the nature of his kingdom. He told them all these things in, in private. And in a way, he tells all of these things to us as well so that they would become a reality for us even today. So the little parables. Now we're going to shift gears. We're going to continue in the, the text. Uh, it's a big change. Uh, it's, it's another well-known story in the gospel accounts of Jesus. The story of Jesus calming the storm. So after these parables, right, Jesus had been in a boat. He had been teaching to the crowd on the shore. He had then gathered in a small group with those closest to him to explain these things. Now they get back and they get back into a boat to travel to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And as we know, some of the disciples, they were fishermen. And so they would have presumably been very comfortable on boats, especially a boat like this. But probably they were used to staying closer to shore because they were fishermen, and that would have been where the fishing was probably more productive. But on the Sea of Galilee, as you've probably heard in Bible studies, and if you've studied these verses before, it was not unusual for storms to come up rather quickly, and they, they could be very violent storms sometimes. Now the boat, the boat they were in would have been a small boat, a fishing boat. In fact, the text tells us that there were some other boats with them. So, in, so, so perhaps it took more than one boat to carry them all um, or those around Jesus learning from him as they went to the other side. Uh, in, in this kind of boat, there would really have only been one place that someone could kind of sit and get comfortable. And that would have been in the stern of the boat or the back of the boat. And in the back of these types of boats, there was often a raised seat. Sometimes it would have a cushion on it. And that seems to be where Jesus has settled in, in this account. He's exhausted from teaching. He's given everything that he has to the crowds. And so he gets on the boat. And he promptly falls asleep. If we look at the text, starting there in verse 35, it says, On that day when evening had come, he said, Let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that it was filling up already. But Jesus, he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Now, we've spoken of the sea. We've spoken about the boat. We've noticed how Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat. And now we come to how the disciples respond to the storm. The storm has them in a panic. Now, they were fishermen, some of them. It seems like they would have been very comfortable in boats, but for whatever reason, they are very frightened by this particular storm. And so they run to Jesus, and they wake Him up. And it's very clear that they want something from Jesus. Even if they just want Him to like be awake and to be with them when they all go down together. 
And it's worth noting here that they call to him, and if, if, you, if you heard it, they call him teacher. They're still, they're still seeing him as a teacher, a good teacher, right? He's still just a teacher. He's not yet Lord to them, although that will soon become clear to them. And Mark continues in verse 39, says, Jesus awoke, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. So that word rebuke, that word rebuke literally means to admonish or to forbid, right? He forbade the wind and the waves from being active. He's exercising and demonstrating His authority as Lord. Jesus doesn't just have authority to teach. And He doesn't just have authority to heal. And He doesn't just have authority to cast out demons. But we see here that Jesus actually has the authority to control the wind and the waves. Right? That's a new revelation that Jesus has authority over nature itself. That is an authority that only God has. And Jesus is showing that authority now. He rebukes the wind and the waves and He says, peace, be still, peace. Now this word peace, this is translated like hush or be quiet or stop. It's different than peace like a theological peace, like peace like shalom. It's different than that. Stop, be quiet. That's what Jesus says. Now, I want to acknowledge that this may be reading too much into this text, but when I hear this, peace, be still, it brings to my mind Psalm 46. Psalm 46, and at the end of that psalm, the psalmist writes, be still and know that I am God. Remember that? And when I hear... Jesus in this text, he says, peace, be still. And I think it kind of echoes Psalm 46, right? Psalm 46 is a psalm about the storms of life. When you're feeling buffeted around by troubles and by trials, or when you just feel like the whole world is caving in on you and and then and then the psalmist says be still be still and know that i am god even when everything seems to be falling apart be still and know that i am god right that god is god and he's got you and here in mark jesus says to the wind and the waves to the storm he says peace be still there's this idea given that Jesus is God and that He is sovereign. He is sovereign over everything, even over nature itself, even over the storms of life. And, and I just can't, I can't help but think that maybe that's the subtext here, or this echo from Psalm 46 as Jesus commands the wind and the waves, you know, that He is revealing that He is God. Be still and know that I am God. 
just seems like there's a little bit of a sense of completion from Psalm 46 to Mark chapter 4 here. Now, back, back to the text from Mark in verse 40. In verse 40, Jesus said to them, Why are you still afraid? Have you no faith? Have you still no faith? Sally Lloyd-Jones is a writer. Has anybody heard of Sally Lloyd-Jones? No? Megan, right? Sarah, a couple of y'all. Sally Lloyd-Jones, she's a Christian, a Christian author. She writes children's books. So don't feel bad if you didn't know. She writes children's books. And, and she's written an outstanding children's Bible. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And in the Jesus Storybook Bible, she, she gives a treatment to this text, um, the calming of the storm. And I really like how she does it. She says two things about it. She says, first, that the wind and the waves recognized Jesus' voice. And she, she kind of harkens back to Genesis 1 and 2 and, and the creation accounts and how um, God speaks. He speaks by His voice, creation into existence. And of course, from John chapter 1, we know that Jesus is the Word incarnate, right? And that in the beginning, He spoke creation into being. And so the wind and the waves that were spoken into existence by His voice, you know, in the very beginning, here, here now, they, they hear that same voice of the One who spoke them into existence. And they obey that voice. I think it's a really cool treatment that Sally Lloyd-Jones gives us of, of what might be happening here. All of creation knows the voice of the one who spoke it into existence. And, and then she says another thing about it. It's a, I think it's a really insightful comment here about verse 41, where the disciples were afraid. And, and Jesus says to the disciples, we just saw, you know, says, why are you afraid? Why are you, why are, have you no faith, right? And she notes, Sally Lloyd-Jones notes that the disciples believed their fears instead of believing Jesus. I think that's really insightful. They believe their fears instead of Jesus. And it strikes me as so true that often we do the same thing, don't we? We believe our fears. We trust our fears instead of trusting in and believing in Jesus. That's what, that's what the disciples do here. And Mark writes in verse 41, right, um, that the disciples were terrified by this display of wonder and power by Jesus. And I mean, I guess we would be too, right? I can only imagine what it must have been like and felt like to experience Jesus controlling nature, calming the storm. You know, I can only imagine how overwhelming that would be to witness firsthand. Um, but, but instead of trusting Jesus, and instead of even talking to Jesus about it, they turn to one another and they say, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey Him? Now, we, we've seen already in, in, our, in our journey through Mark's Gospel, we've seen that Jesus wants us to come to Him. And He wants us to sit at His feet and to learn from Him. And He wants us to bring to Him our questions and our doubts and our fears. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it's good too to bring our questions and our doubts and our fears to our friends and to talk to our brothers and sisters in Christ and our community of faith about these things. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but we shouldn't just bring those things to our friends, but we should also bring them 
to Jesus. With all of that in mind, I'm going to kind of wrap it up here. You know, I just want to encourage us today. I want to encourage us to be the kind of people that when we go through the storms of life, that we would bring our joys and our hopes and our fears and our doubts to Jesus. Sure, talk among yourself. Bring it to your friends and your loved ones. But let's be a people who ultimately bring it to Jesus and trust Him. And let's believe. Let's believe Jesus more than we believe our fears and our doubts. They can seem pretty big sometimes. But Jesus is bigger. And Jesus is the Lord even of the storms of our lives. So let's believe Jesus more than we believe our fears. And let's trust Him not only as a good teacher. I mean, He is. Let's trust Him not only as a good teacher, but even more, let's trust Him as our Lord and our Savior and our King who loves us, who guards us and guides us and protects us and provides for us and ultimately who saves us. Amen? Amen. Father God, we do thank You for this day and this time and Your Word for this uh, sort of sort of rushed journey through all of those parables and the, the account of Jesus calming the seas. And Father God, I just pray that, that these different truths and teachings would find a home in our heart and would guide and direct us as we grow in our faith. And Father, um, from that last, that last bit, I just pray, I, I know how, how easy it is to fall prey to our fears in this world. There is much to worry over. There is much to scare us out there. There's, there's much uncertainty all around us. But at the end of the day, you are bigger than all of these things. And that we would be a people, that we would hear your voice, be still and know that I am God and that you can speak to the storms, even the storms of our lives and our hearts. Peace be still. And even as we fear these things, that we would trust You even more, that we would believe You even more, that You are God and that You've got this. And we thank You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.